Hey, everybody. I want to welcome you to this week's edition of Bible News Radio. I am your sweet and lovable host, Stacey Lynn Harp, and I hope that you take a whole hour and spend time with us today because I'm going to tell you, I had the blessing of interviewing Andrew Woods, Pastor Andy Woods this week. Uh, he is senior pastor of Sugarland Baptist Church in Texas. He is also the president of Schaefer Theological Seminary. He is an author. He's a speaker. He's a conference speaker. He's a Bible prophecy expert. He's an attorney. He's brilliant. And I have to tell you, he is like one of my favorite pastor teachers out there. I love watching his messages online. And I had the blessing of meeting him a couple of years ago when Randall and I covered the prophecy, the, the prophecy watchers conference down in Oklahoma. I, I met him and I didn't know who he was. I didn't know who he was, right? <laughs> As God always does, it cracks me up when I meet these people that, you know, are, you know, have the same heart as me and I don't even know who they are. But anyway, it's so funny um, because last week, we saw that Roe v. Wade was overturned. Yes, yeah, it was. And so we are talking to, to Andy about the Supreme Court decisions that um, have taken place this past week. And um, I'm going to tell you, if you don't think God is doing something in America, he is totally doing something in America. And it is kind of stunning a lot of us. <laughs> out there. If you're new to the show, I want to direct you over to my website, biblenewsradio.com. Our nonprofit ministry is Heart Tug International. And over on our website, you can join our email list and that will let you know a little bit more about some of the other ministries that we have. So I, I just hope you take the time to check that out. Make sure you subscribe to this channel wherever you're watching. Make sure you subscribe and share. I totally would appreciate that. And now I want you to enjoy the interview that we did earlier this week with Dr. Andy Woods. All right. I am so happy that I have Dr. Andrew Woods, who is actually a pastor. And I got to meet him at the Prophecy Conference a couple of years ago. And I invited him on today's show, first of all, because I've been following his ministry for the last couple of years. But second of all, because he's actually an attorney. Too. And we just had some of the most amazing, in my opinion, miraculous <laughs> decisions just come down from the Supreme Court. And, um, you know, I I, I want to thank you for coming on our show because, it, you know, it means a lot to me. I think what you guys are doing is great. And um, I wanted to tell you right up front that <clears throat> when you shared that you didn't think that Roe v. Wade would be overturned. I was like, you know what? I didn't either. <laughs> I, I'm i 53, almost 54, and, you know, born right before that went into effect. And I never thought we would see that. So I'm getting emotional. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because yeah it's I understand. And, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to share. Um, I know you probably maybe haven't seen this yet, but... Faith to Action sent out the heart, the abortion-free states list today, as of July 1st here. Mm -hmm. Alabama, Arkansas, Louisiana, Kentucky, Missouri, Oklahoma, mm -hmm. Texas, where you're at, mm -hmm. South Dakota, Utah, West Virginia, Wisconsin, and Wyoming. Mm -hmm. so that's Amen. 12 states, right? And then... Trigger laws, 
So 10 days, Mississippi after the ruling, North Dakota, 30, Tennessee, where I live, 30. So, and, and then of course, um, you know, there's, there's more stuff, but I'm emotional because I'm mm -hmm. a woman mm -hmm. and I couldn't have kids. So the whole abortion issue is very sensitive mm -hmm. to me and, and for many reasons, but tell me as a pastor and a lawyer, you know, what, what you think about all this, because I know a lot of people are, are kind of emotional <laughs> about it. Yeah. Well, you know, if you can't get emotional about this, you probably can't get emotional about anything because it is stunning. Um, it, I, I don't know that I did a podcast yesterday on this and some related issues that's got released, uh, published this morning. And on that podcast, I kind of analogized it to the collapse of the Berlin Wall. You know, I mean, that wall was there. In fact, I actually traveled into East Germany as a college student. You know, when we did a basketball, I was on the basketball team. My short size probably gave that away. <laughs> but we traveled uh, from East Berlin or West Berlin into East Berlin. Um, and then back out again. I remember the guards. I remember the interrogation they sort of put you through and the lies that they told while we were in East Berlin. And, you know, you, you, you see that and you, you realize that that wall had been there since World War II. And you just thought it was a fixture and you just kind of accepted it as a forever reality. And then all of a sudden, God moves his hand through, I believe, a man named Ronald Reagan. Mm -hmm. And the whole thing, the whole thing collapses. And, and communism at that time, you know, collapsed. And, you know, at least from the outside. And uh, you look at that, and you, A, you can't believe it. And then B, you're thinking, well, what, <laughs> what do we do now? You know, you're like stunned this has happened. And so I think the same kind of thing has happened with Roe. I mean, we thought it would be on the books forever. And God worked through a man, I believe, Donald Trump, um, and had Trump, you know, not won that election against Hillary. Uh, we wouldn't have the appointments of Kavanaugh, Gorsuch, and Barrett, Amy Coney Barrett, and... All of a sudden, last Friday, a week from today, God moves his hand and Roe versus Wade is gone, just like that. And it's like, oh my goodness, what do we do? What do we do now? Uh, it's um, it's stunning when you know principalities and powers that Satan has orchestrated just disappear. And so now we have the ability at the state level, which is what's happening in all those states that you mentioned. Right. To actually pass a law to help those who can't help themselves. Uh, you never thought the day would come, and here it is. So I don't know. I, I totally concur with your emotion and shock and bewilderment because that's how I've been feeling for the last week. And then you say to yourself, you know, man could not have done this. You know, this cl clearly is clearly is a hand of God. Yeah, you know, when I was, say, I became a Christian when I was 14 or 13 or 14. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. 
And when I moved out on my own, I was 18, and I connected with a woman who was part of Operation Rescue with Randall Terry. And I remember going to my very first, you know, rescue. You know, it was down in Los Angeles. Uh, the gay activist crowd and the pro-choice crowd were out there yelling and screaming at us, telling us yeah. to keep keep our laws off their body. And the irony in all this to me <laughs> is now we live in a COVID area where medical laws are on our yeah. body, you know, and it's just it's just insane. I was telling a friend of mine, I think we live in insane times, but like you, there is no doubt that this was God's hand. No, no doubt. So, you know, it's funny, too, because I know you know this it's biblical citizenship classes from, you know, wall builders and, and Rick Green, all these guys, these classes are popping up all over the country to educate people about what's going on with the constitution and, you know, and what our role is in it and stuff. And, and you probably know this, but I learned something interesting. I learned that, <clears throat> I can't think of the guy's name, uh, but anyway, it was some pastor guy, you know, who a hundred years before the constitution and declaration of independence were written, he was putting oh, the principles, the biblical <clears throat> principles in from scripture into, uh, his sermons, which were the seeds that, yeah. you know, we got we got our um, things. I want to say it's John Price. I don't know. I can't think of his name. But um, you, you are you familiar with that? Yeah, there's actually um, there's a quote from uh, Calvin Coolidge mm -hmm. speaking at a Fourth of July weekend. What would this be? 1920, give or take. And he basically said the principles that went into the Declaration of Independence and the United States Constitution are found in the sermons of the colonial clergy. Yeah. And I love I love that quote because long before Thomas Jefferson wrote, you know, we are, are endowed by our creator with certain inalienable rights, this stuff was being preached in the colonial pastorates. And all our founding fathers did is take what they heard on Sunday morning and put it into a legal document. And, uh, you know, I've had people come to my church and say, you know, Pastor Andy, we think you're a little too political. And I have a great big book. It's about a thousand pages and it's only volume one. And it's entitled uh, Political Sermons from the Colonial uh, Era. And I said, well, if you think I'm too political, do me a favor, take, take this book home. This is just volume one and read through some of this stuff. And you'll see that what I'm saying is pretty light <laughs> you know, in, in comparison to what, what sometimes is called the Black Robe Regiment. Yeah. You know, what they were preaching on the eve of the War of Independence. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's interesting because when you talk about the Black Road, Robe Regiment, I know that there are clergy today that call themselves that, um, that are in high places in our government, or they were, you know, um, because I've been privy to some of that info and some of the people who are, are part of that. And I think part of the reason going back to these rulings and who our president is currently, or, you know, when Donald Trump was the president, mm -hmm. it's... It's interesting to me because there's 
as you know, there's a lot of different things happening. There's a lot of false teaching in the church. Unfortunately, and I will say this because I know you've said it, some of those false teachers advise Trump. <laughs> I mean, you know, so there's there's some people like me and you who are going, well, okay, these people are false teachers, but then I guess Paul said whether in truth or pretense, if Christ is preached, mm-hmm. you know, he can do stuff. Um, but then we look at the role of Israel and what's going on with that. And I will tell you that when President Trump was the president and moved the embassy back to Jerusalem, even though nobody prior did on our side, um, I had talked to some of the uh, some of the guys over at Israel 365. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had some of the Jewish guys over on the show talking about it, and they were like, "Yeah, we are super happy." that this is going on <laughs> and we can't stand Obama. We, that guy, we just you hate him pretty much. Um, but now here we are again. And anyway, we, so we have Biden as our president, but we have Roe v. Wade overturned because of Trump. Um, and I just find it fascinating that now everything that Biden is doing, turning against Israel and some of the people in, in Congress who recently put out a resolution to basically condemn Israel and that we hate Israel, you know, the Muslims in our government. I, I don't know. I'd love your thoughts on that because I always tell people, look, everything is just falling into place. The whole world has to turn against Israel uh, in order for Jesus to come rescue Israel. But I, I don't know. I'd like to hear your thoughts on what Biden's currently doing with Israel. And then we'll talk about the Supreme Court stuff a little bit more. Yeah. Well, I think Biden is the mere opposite of the Trump administration. Um, I largely look at the Biden administration as Obama's uh, third term. You know, obviously when you look at Biden, um, you know, how he can't even get on Air Force One without falling over, or, you know, he's on his bicycle and he falls over. I mean, (laughs) his wife is finishing his sentences for him and, he he obviously is not in control. Right. So the so the issue is who's in control. Well, you know, I think to a large extent the globalists are in control, but I think also Obama is in control. And I think Biden is there to erase what Trump accomplished in every way. So one of the things Trump did, as you mentioned, is he moved our American embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. And in the process basically recognized uh, Jerusalem as the historic capital of undivided Israel. Um, You mentioned Israel 365 News. They had an article that we reported on maybe a week ago, two weeks ago, where now Biden is even trying to undo that. So he's opened another office um, in Jerusalem, kind of the Palestinian office, meaning he's bought into the idea that Jerusalem is a divided city. And this also came out, I think, in the Free Beacon. Okay. And uh, you can track that down and read it. And basically what those articles are arguing is that Biden is putting the infrastructure in place to reverse Trump's decision on the embassy move. So that decision, I think, is about to be undone by Biden, you know, if the Lord tarries. And that doesn't surprise me, you know, because Biden is the 
is there to complete Obama's third term and erase what Trump did in that hiatus that we had for four years. So I guess that's my my take on it. That's kind of a long story made short. Do you think that, um, I agree with you. I mean, but do, do you think that when this happens that America is going to incur more judgment? I mean, I know John McKernan many years ago wrote, as America has done to Israel, you know, and we know the Genesis 12, 3 passage, right? Bless Israel. You get blessed. And if not, and that's the irony to me about this whole Supreme Court thing, how, how one of the biggest life issues in the world literally has been overturned. I will tell you something. Yesterday ended Homosexual Pride Month, right? I'm recording this July 1st, everybody. All last month, I went into gay pride events on Zoom that they were having. Okay. I'm just kind of, I've covered the gay issue for a long time and I've kind of been a fly on the wall, gone into glisten conferences. I've done some other stuff. I'm I'm an expert on this topic. I decided, you know what? I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to hang out on Zoom with some gay activists all over the world and see what's going on. And I will tell you one of the things that I heard from London, I was in a a London gay pride Zoom uh, with the top, some of the top um, gay activists from Westminster, actually. And in the midst of their discussion about how to uh, promote homosexual pride and whether or not the, the pride events are actually doing what they want, I learned two things that were really interesting. One, I learned that they're not happy with the corporations who are promoting homosexual pride mm-hmm. all over the place because mm-hmm. they feel that their cause has been co-opted and that they don't really, the corporations don't really care about them as people. That was one thing. The second thing was they're threatened and terrified now because Roe was overturned now. And, and this, these are people in London, okay? So they're looking here to the States, seeing that Roe was overturned, going, uh-oh, now what's going to happen next? Do you think, you know, the sodomy laws, the, the gay marriage law, or whatever, all that stuff that they put in, they're terrified that that's going to take place too. So uh, what do you think? Well, I think their fear is actually legitimate because you have to understand that abortion on demand came out of a series of cases um, really going back to a case called Griswold versus Connecticut, you know, where the state of Connecticut put a prohibition on contraceptives back in the 60s, I think. And the Supreme Court at that time stepped in and says the state of Connecticut can't do that because it violates the fundamental right to privacy. So when, when the Roe decision was made, that language, and by the way, they use this uh, fuzzy language, penumbras, meaning shadow. Okay. The Griswold court says this right is not expressly stated in the constitution, but it's in the shadows of it, which is just a license you know, for allegorical interpretation of the United States constitution. Um, so this penumbra right to privacy, uh, you know, kind of substantive due process language was already on the books. And all Harry Blackman did is took that existing language and applied it to the issue of abortion. So with Roe versus Wade now being swept away, I think the first block in the domino chain has been toppled over. And if you read the decision, you know, Alito and others were very careful to say, no, 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 
this decision only affects abortion. We're not going to get into these other issues, you know, contraception, uh, homosexuality, the right to marriage. In fact, when I was in law school, I memorized the mnemonic device CAMPERS, which stands for contraception, abortion, marriage, procreation, education, relationships, and sterilization. All of those are now fundamentally protected rights because they flow out of this substantive due process, penumbras, right to privacy. But with Roe gone, I mean, the fear of some is, oh my goodness, all these other rights are going to disappear as well. And Alito was pretty clear in, in the latest decision that overturned Roe. He says, no, we're only dealing with abortion. But you have to look at Clarence Thomas. Clarence Thomas, uh, in his concurring opinion, said, no, all of it has to be reexamined. And if the gay rights community is paying attention to what Thomas said, their fear is founded because now all of these issues can be returned to the states and subject to debate. Now, in my opinion, that's wonderful if that happens because when the court federalizes an issue, it says no more debates. The people's representatives can't decide. But by sending Roe back to the states, where now the state governments can actually have a discussion, <laughs> a debate concerning when life begins. Um, the fear of the gay rights activists is, oh my goodness, we might have a debate about all these other subjects. And what you have to understand about the left is, is they don't want a debate. You know why they don't want a debate? Because all the facts are on our side. And I think that's what they're, they're reacting to. So Roe versus Wade is sort of like, interference you know in football someone was running interference for him for 50 years and now that just disappeared and if clarence thomas's mindset holds true uh you could start to see other things subject to a debate as well see that would be so good i mean it would because one of the other things that i i've seen in these meetings that i've been in you know because i really have a heart for the homosexual community um, I struggled with homosexuality or the thoughts anyway, when I was a young woman, um, just because of the abuse I went through, but mm -hmm. because I was Christian, I knew I couldn't go down that route. And I went to therapy, became a therapist, <laughs> you know, but I didn't get licensed because of that issue in California. And this, in, in August next month, I, I celebrate 30 years of marriage. All right. You know. So, you know, I, I look at this in some ways because I know how they infiltrated the APA and yeah. uh, I know the lies that they, they tell. And yet the other thing that was very telling to me in this whole issue um, is nobody talks about the abuse, right? Nobody talks about the abuse of what these men and women have gone through. In fact, one in, in the London Pride event I was in, there was a young man who's 24, um, very, very well-spoken, you know, could be my son, could be your son, you know, and and uh, he was probably more well-spoken than the, some of the older folks, but at the very end of the thing, he said, yeah, I went to my very first London Gay Pride event when I was nine. And there was this other guy who was probably, I'm going to say in his 40s, maybe, and he was talking about how he felt that 
that at these events, there should be the freedom to walk around naked and have, um, you know, and do the, the bondage and you kind of like what they do in Folsom. Right. <clears throat> and I, I just was sitting there as kind of like as a mother, just wishing that I could go and hug these guys and say, what, you know, look, what person, and I'm editing my wearing in my head, would bring a nine-year-old to one of these events knowing exactly what's going on. And yet we see that the gates of hell is just like completely opened more, more and more and more. Um, so how do we reach the, the people when the church in some ways won't even look at the issue? Yeah. And some of the church has co-opted the issue and allows it in. Um, and then we have these religious issues, some of these other Supreme Court decisions. Um, you know, do you think that we could have a revival in this country? Well, if you had asked me that question three weeks ago, I probably would say no. Right. But, but now? You know, and I'm, I'm basically a prophecy teacher. I talk all the time mm -hmm. about the end times and how America has to decline so the new world order can take over. And, you know, I think one of the ways God has dealt with me over the last week or so is. God is basically saying to me, um, when it's time for the United States to disappear or decline or whatever, um, I'll make that decision on my own. Thank you. <laughs> I don't need your help. And um, it reminds me very much of Daniel chapter 5, where God basically drew the curtains on the Neo-Babylonian Empire. You know, because remember Belshazzar had gone into the temple Actually, Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had gone into the temple and brought out the holy vessels. And Belshazzar started to use those for profane purposes. You know, they poured alcohol in them and they were partying as if there was no tomorrow. And God, remember the handwriting on the wall? Yep. Uh, basically meaning uh, numbered, numbered, weighed and divided or weighed, weighed, numbered and divided. And the interpretation is this very night, your empire will end. And exactly what God said happened. Uh, the Babylonian empire was defeated by the Persians without the Persians even knowing an attack was coming. They thought they were invincible. And uh, Belshazzar was killed that very night and Babylon disappeared and Persia replaced it. And so God has sort of used that passage to minister to me saying, look, I'm really good at deciding when empires have run their course. And here's the message I'm getting. It's not yet time for the United States of America to disappear or else we wouldn't have had these. It's not just the abortion issue. It's three other court opinions yeah, that have, that. yeah, that have erased what, um, the, the left has done. And the fact that those decisions all came out this week shows me that God is not finished with the late great United States of America. And so maybe there could be, you know, a revival in this country going back to your question, but let's, let's go here to question two. But can, before uh, you do, can, yeah, please. Me, I just want to tell everybody, um, if you don't know who, who Andy Woods is, Dr. Andy Woods, yeah. I mean, we mentioned at the beginning, but um, pastor's point of view, what you do is basically my show, <laughs> oh. <laughs> except you're a pastor doing it. You're, 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 you're pastor's point of view. 
with your sidekick is basically Bible news radio, except you're a pastor <laughs> doing it. So yeah. that's why I'm, I love it. And anyway, so I, I just wanted to tell people, you know, you need to, you need to tune into that, but you know, cause you have way more authority than I do as, you know, as a pastor, more people listen to you, but. Yeah. Thank you. Well, the four decisions are a, the, the Roe versus Wade was just overturned. Right. A 50 year precedent disappeared just like that. Um, we've already spoken about that. Number two, the Second Amendment. And you have to understand that every dictator in human history registers people's weapons so he knows where they are, and then he confiscates them. The New World Order can't come into existence as long as America is armed. And we've had a lot of gun grabbing going on since the Uvalde incident happened here in the state of Texas. And just when it looks like the Second Amendment is about to be legislated out of existence, here comes the Supreme, the Supreme Court affirming the Second Amendment, the right to keep and bear arms, not just in your house, but outside of your house. And they made that ruling concerning the state of New York, of all places, that had just gone way overboard in eradicating Second Amendment rights. So that's decision number two. Uh, decision number three relates to the school voucher program, I believe in Maine. I've always thought the idea of vouchers is great, where the child doesn't follow the money, but the money fo follows the child. And that way all the schools have to compete with each other for kids. I thought that would improve the quality of public education and private education. And so here's Maine with a voucher program, and they say, yeah, feel free to use the money on any school you want except the Christian schools. Because we don't want to, we have a strict wall of separation between church and state in this country. And here comes the United States Supreme Court with this third decision saying, look, if you're going to have a voucher program, you can't discriminate against Christian schools anymore. If you're going to say the, uh, 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 the money follows the child, the child can spend the money anywhere the parents want, including Christian schools. So that's decision number three. And then the fourth decision is this coach, I think in the state of Colorado, you know, all the guy did is he would go to the 50 yard line with his football after a game, win or lose. And he would just kneel down and there's all kinds of pictures of him doing it all over the internet. You know, and if kids wanted to join him in doing it, doing that, fine. They didn't want to join, fine. But he would just kneel down, win or lose, and glorify God for the opportunity of coaching football, you know, in that particular Colorado school district. And here the guy loses his job because of it. Because, of course, he's violating the strict wall of separation between church and state. And here comes the United States Supreme Court in decision number four. And they say what he is doing is not a violation of the Establishment Clause of the First Amendment. And, in fact, for the school district to fire him for that is interfering with his freedom of religion which is guaranteed in the free exercise clause of the First Amendment. And so, pow, that's decision number four. And so not only is the court lowering the 
artificial wall created by Roe versus Wade, but it's lowering the so-called separation between church and state wall, which has been used by the left for decades to get all of Christianity thrown out of the public square. I mean, this is how they got the Ten Commandments out of the public schools in a case called Stone versus Graham going back to 1980. And it's it's horrible how they've rewritten the Establishment Clause and used it to purge Christianity. You know, it's like a religious apartheid, purge Christianity from the public square. And here comes the Supreme Court in the voucher case and in the Coach Kennedy case, case saying, you guys have gone too far. I mean, we haven't seen rulings like this in so long in a positive way. I have to sort of bite my tongue and say, well, Lord, maybe I, maybe I wrote the epitaph <laughs> over the United States of America prematurely. You and me both. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, and I know I'm not the only one and you're not the only one, but honestly, when, when I heard you say that in your sermon, I think it was this past week, you know, which I listened to like three times, just so you know. Oh, thank you. Praise <laughs> God. I I literally listen to you at night when I'm sleeping. I, I turn on your messages and sermon audio and I I go, oh, I'm okay. I'm going to learn about that. And I learn stuff and I wake up and it's over. And then sometimes I wake up in the middle and I have to go back and listen. Randall's like, what are you listening to? I'm like, I'm listening to Andy. <laughs> <laughs> you're one. You're one of the only people that quote Dr. Fruchtenbaum in messages. It just cracks me up because I'm like, wow, he's you know, and I know Arnold. You know, I, I mean, I you know, I haven't seen him in a long time, but um, but yeah, you know, it's it's. I guess we shouldn't feel bad for feeling like there was no hope on one hand because it was kind of looked like there was no hope. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, as another friend of mine said earlier today on one of the Bible studies that we we do, um, you know, she was warning that we need, and the, and this is a warning I think to both, you know, to me for sure, is, you know, number one, our self-righteousness, that goes out the door. <laughs> and number two, um, you know, God, God really is in control. If we say yeah. our hope is in the Lord, then we have to walk that out. And it's... It's really, you know, when I was teaching a Bible memorization class yesterday, I had this thought came to my mind, which was um, set boundaries with Satan. You know, so often when we try to engage in these, the things that are right, right, whether it's doing the Bible study, going to church fellowship or whatever, um, people, you know, we look at the research that says fewer people believe in God these days, yeah. uh, you know, this little dinky percentage really only has a biblical worldview, which is completely sad, you know, um, but God is still in control and he's got his remnant here. Um, and yet it's so, <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm just concurring with you that I understand, but at the same time, like even Jan Markell, you know, she talks about understanding the times. It's like, we have all these people, whether it's you or JD or Billy or whoever, you know, talking about all these pieces being falling into place and yet at the same time all this false teachings being exposed to in the church mm -hmm. you know let me ask you this um the southern baptist convention just met not too long ago and they just appointed a brand new president what do you think about what's happened with that i mean you you're a pastor of a baptist church i actually attend a baptist church as well mm -hmm. 
Uh, my pastor is J.C. Christian. True story. It's his real name. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know, I would say that the Southern Baptist Church, the Southern Baptist denomination has been intentionally targeted. Okay. Um, and the reason I think it's been intentionally targeted is it's the largest Protestant Christian denomination in the United States. In other words, if you can corrupt that institution, you can take out a big chunk of what we call Christianity. And so, you know, you look at some of the things taught in their seminaries, a lot of the things that Trevor Loudon, you know, has exposed concerning critical race theory, which is really just Marxism when you get right down to it, you know, being given a Jesus label, you know, Christian veneer, you know, Jesus was a kind of a Fidel Castro social reformer, you know, changing who Jesus was, you know, the creator and the redeemer, Uh, but trying to make Jesus into sort of a liberation theology character. I mean, that, that mindset is all over the SBC. And it's, you know, if you go to a really good website on this is Tom Littleton. He's got a website called 30 Pieces of Silver. And he he tracks the internal corruption of the Southern Baptist Convention um, in all of these areas. And I think it has been intentionally targeted by the left to turn it into something that's less resistant to the Marxist revolution that they want to bring to the United States. And so when I hear the Southern Baptist Convention kind of moving in a social justice direction, I mean, those are my thoughts on it. You know, I think it's sad. I don't want to say every single pastor in the movement has embraced that because I know there are pastors, probably like your pastor, that are standing strong. I'm thinking of a man like Tom Askell. I think his name is standing strong. But, you know, by and large, the denomination is 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 destruct, self-destructing internally, you know, as we speak, and that and that's by satanic design. Yeah, I have a lot of questions here. <laughs> it, it, it's 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 just there's just so much because on the one hand, okay, and um, you know, and I know you talk about this when you look at news and stuff. And, you know, on the one hand, you have people like Julie Royce who are exposing a lot of the stuff going on with abuse within the church. Mm. Um, But these people are also tied to the woke crowd, like what you were just talking about, about the liberation theology. And and they, they really, really think what they're believing is biblical you know, and all that. How can we, those of us, as you know, you know, you're, you're right. <laughs> Which I know that you say, you, you say that kind of jokingly, but at the same time, I understand and I agree with you. <laughs> How can we do what we need to do in order to equip people? Because I, I will tell you, I, I teach preset Bible studies. Okay. So, you know, Kay Arthur and uh, you know, I use some of her studies and I've been getting a lot of women coming in through through those things. And I recently had a lady come into one of my groups. She's 77 years old. 
And if you're watching, I'm glad you're watching. <laughs> but she's 77 years old, just got saved three years ago. Okay. So what? That minus three, what was 74, right? Okay. That's pretty old to get saved. And she's, you know, still kicking and 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 wanting Bible studies. But you know, she when she came into our study, one of the things that she was like, you know, I don't want a support group. I've been in some studies and that they turn into gripe sessions and support groups and stuff like that. I want you just to teach me God's word because I don't have much time left. That was her words, not mine. Um, and, but that's so hard to do because there's so many distractions and stuff. So where's the line between Bible prophecy and addressing real issues and mentoring people and getting them on the right side when, you know, on the one hand, she's like, I don't care about this other stuff. I, you know, I know grandchildren are going to be raised in this crappy environment, mm -hmm. but I don't want to, I don't want to deal with it. <laughs> yeah. I, that's what I'm hearing. And I'm sure you've heard similar things, right? Well, you know, when you get into Second Timothy, and it's almost like that book, four chapters, is tailor-made for our times. You know, Paul predicts apostasy in that book. He says evil men and imposters will wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Second Timothy 3, verse 13. And so what does he tell Timothy to do? Um, he doesn't say, okay, here's three steps you can use to stop the apostasy. Paul doesn't even present that as an option. He presents the apostasy you know, the gradual departure of known truth in the end times as something you can't stop. It's like a snowball rolling. It's just going to keep growing. But what he tells Timothy to do is he says, you preach the word in season and out of season. You know, be faithful, correct, rebuke. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting their ears tickled, they will assemble around themselves teachers who tell them what their itching ears want to hear. I read that and I say, wow, that was written 2000 years ago. That's yeah. describing today. Right. And Paul never says to Timothy, okay, here's how to stop the apostasy. He, he just says, you be faithful in the midst of the apostasy by being instant in season and out of season. And in fact, in that section, beginning in chapter three, verse 15, going all the way through chapter 4, verse 2, you have one of the strongest statements in the Bible on the inerrancy of the Word of God, the inspiration of the Word of God, and the sufficiency of the Word of God. He says the Word will equip you for every good work as the church is going through this, 2 Timothy 3.17. So I, I think that's what we need to do. We're not responsible for the results. And God is not going to evaluate us at the judgment seat of rewards for success. I mean, the Bible never says, well done, thy good and successful servant. <laughs> he says, well done, thy good and faithful servant. And as everything is disintegrating within the church and outside the church, we just have to stick to the Bible and we have to trust it to create the results that God uh, wants. Because God still wants people to get saved. He still wants people to be discipled. 
And rather getting sidetracked into, I'm going to defend issue A or issue B, because I had that mindset for a long time. I used to tell my wife, you know, I want to defend dispensationalism. I want to defend premillennialism. I want to defend pre-tribulationalism. And she says, well, what you need to do is just teach the word. And she's used many times the example of uh, Ironside. Harry Ironside, and also J. Vernon McGee, mm -hmm. who both wanted to get into all these issues of their day. And I think it was Ironside that convinced McGee to, look, the issues are going to come and go. Stick with the word. I mean, obviously, you bring things up as you're dealing with the word of God in context. But I think if all of our shepherds started to do that, our churches and your average Christian would be in a lot better, healthier shape, you know, than they are currently. So that's sort of my focus is just to teach the Bible and not focus on the homosexual issue or the abortion issue. Of course, you bring those things up when they're pertinent to your teaching ministry. But, you know, the, uh, the denomination that my wife was raised in, the Grace Brethren denomination, had a slogan. And I personally love it. It was the Bible, the whole Bible, and nothing but the Bible. And I think that's what Paul told Timothy to do, and by, by extension, you know, what God is telling us to do. Yeah. Well, I, um, that's why I named my show Bible News Radio. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it took me a while. I finally came up with it, though. I'm surprised no social media was taken, but, you know, that's... <laughs> Bible News Radio, the whole reason we named it was, was because that's what we do. We talk about the Bible first, then the news. And it's not really radio, but at the time we were on Blog Talk Radio like 17 years ago uh, and all that. And I, I really appreciate that. You know, it's interesting. One of the things that I've seen in my own life uh, and through the COVID area, era, if you will, um, is kind of a revitalization and memorizing scripture, Right. So I was challenged by my friend Pam Gillespie to memorize Psalm 119. <clears throat> oh, wow. So uh, a little over a year ago, I started to memorize <laughs> Psalm 119. Now, admittedly, the first three stanzas I put to Africa by Toto, the music, because, you know, da 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 you know, I mean, the, the, it's a catchy. And it, I figured, hey, if I'm going to memorize the longest chapter in the Bible, I need some help. And I don't know what the Jewish music was, so... <laughs> You know, but what I got to tell you is I've, I've, I've noticed something really interesting in the teaching and the discipleship and, and all that. And that is that something that, you know, when you're commanded to make disciples and do stuff, you know, when you actually begin to memorize God's word, not just a verse a day taken out of context, misapplied, but actually the, the whole stanza, you know, uh, all of a sudden there's something amazing that happens there's a verse there that says uh, my soul weeps because of grief strengthen me according to your word well I lost my dad last year you know I took mm. care of him for a long time that verse ministered to me greatly and then there's another verse that says establish uh, establish your word to your servant as that which produces reverence for you that's in Psalm 119 too and I I, I remember reading that verse going you know what that's what we have to do. 
And I think, let me ask you this. Do you think that the American church in general has lost the reverence for God? Because I can tell you, for me, the more I study the word, the more mem- the more I memorize it, the more the Lord's like, oh, you know that verse you just read? <laughs> you know, the, the reverence is, uh, I don't know. What do you think? Because that impacts. Well, I, no, I, I think you're... I think you're right. We have lost a reverence for God. And how how in the world can you gain a reverence for God without his word? And very, very sadly, beginning, I think, in the 1980s, what started to take over in evangelicalism was marketing theory, where marketing theory was brought into the pulpit uh, the teachings of Abraham Maslow about the different levels of need that we have was brought into the pulpit. And the Bible started to be used very selectively to address people's felt needs. Right. And this is called church growth. You know, of course, I'm not against using the Bible to address people's felt needs. But that's a very piecemeal understanding of the Bible. The Bible deals with a lot of subjects that don't deal with my felt needs uh sin satan the atonement spiritual warfare uh and so those subjects started to get excluded when they didn't fit into maslow's paradigm and so we've lost as a result of that the full counsel of god's word and if you lose that how in the world can you have reverence for god himself and understand that god's purpose in human history is to glorify himself. And so I would answer, you know, to your question, definitely in the affirmative. And, you know, we, we, we bought into the idea that the customer is always right, which is classic marketing. Well, I hate to break it to folks, but God steps on our toes. <laughs> and um, if you don't believe me, read the book of James sometime. <laughs> You'll get your toes stepped on and your tongue stepped on and everything in between. And praise God, that makes me a better Christian, makes me, you know, a better disciple. So I would say yes, and it has to do with man-centered, you know, preaching and teaching. You know, that that really is what the name Laodicea means mm-hmm. in Greek. It's a compound <laughs> word coming from laos, people, dikeo, ruling. It means the people ruling. And you remember in that church in Revelation 3, Jesus was outside the door of that church knocking to be readmitted into his own church. That's what happens when the church becomes man-centered or anthropocentric. It's all about us, and we lose reverence for God himself. Yeah, that's so good. All right, well, I know our time is up. Our therapy session is over. (laughs) (laughs) I enjoyed it. I, yeah, no, this went by so quick, and I'd love to have you you come back, you know, sure. another time. But um, do you want to just just give yourself a plug and all the stuff you do, and we'll end. Okay, here. well, um, if people want to keep track of me, the easiest way is to just type my name into the YouTube search engine, and my YouTube channel will show up. And if they want to follow us, <clears throat> our verse by verse teaching. Uh, uh, through our church, just go to www.slbc, 
sugarlandbible.org, Sugarland Bible Church is what it stands for. And another way to keep track of us is just go to Andy Woods Ministries, www.andywoodsministries.org. Although on that latter website, we're about to change platforms and move over into something called Sub Subsplash, which you probably know a lot about. Um, and so that's an easy way just for people to keep track of, you know, what I'm doing. But you know, I mean, who am I at the end of the day? I just want to, all, only thing I really want to be is that branch that Jesus talked about in John 15, you know, that abides in the vine. And Jesus makes a promise, if, if you abide in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit and fruit that will last. And that's my goal for myself. And I'm sure that's your goal for yourself. Because who we are, who are we at the end of the day? We're just... We're just branches and we don't have any real power, you know, in and of ourselves unless we're vitally connected, you know, yeah. by way of salvation and fellowship to the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. I just think about Psalm 1, you know, we're like a tree firmly planted by streams yeah. of water, which yields its fruit in its season and whatever he does, you know, doesn't wither, leaf doesn't wither, whatever he does, he prospers. And Amen. So... All right. Hey, great talking to you again. Wow. That was such a great conversation with Dr. Woods. I am so happy that you sat through the, the that whole interview because it was delicious, wasn't it? Janet Parshall would say that that was one of these delicious conversations. And I'm telling you, if you want some good, solid Bible teaching, Bible prophecy, then definitely check out Andy's uh, sermons and also check out um, his pastor's point of view that he does uh, every single week looking at the news. It's basically Bible News Radio, except he, he, he does his own version. <laughs> uh, and uh, and look, you know what? I would love your feedback. Please send me some email. Go over to my website, biblenewsradio.com. Check it out. Check out some of the ministries that we have. You know, we have a Daily Disciples Facebook group where, where we are reading the Bible every day as God's people. Uh, we have a a group on Signal where we are holding each other accountable for being in God's Word. I actually just have a Bible memorization workshop that I just did. You can check that out. That's going to be on our website as well. You can watch that so you can learn how I memorized Psalm 119, part of it, not all of it yet, but, but some of it. Um, and, you know, of course, this show. And then we also have biblical counseling and coaching. If you are somebody who is in need of some spiritual guidance, or you're having some relationship issues, feel free to please contact us through our website. Let us know what your needs are, and we will do what we can to reach out to you and to minister to you, because that's what we do here. My husband and I kind of um, have laughed at how God has brought Bible News Radio and Heart Tug International through all of these various things. The one thing that we have a gift for is being able to minister to those who often the church forgets. So if that's you and you need some help and prayer or something, feel free to reach out to me and hide his word in your heart so that you don't sin against him because he loves you. We'll see you next week.